Alrighty, gang. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a while, right? Ole manieo. Right? You're learning Korean now as well. Well, like, like, Boda Oni is, she's like teaching me. Is she not real, Katie? Yeah, well, like, neither are you, man. Touche. Touche, Katie. All right. <laughs> well, before, yeah, before we get into that, or hopefully we, we, we won't get into that, but anyway. Hey, um, man. <laughs> But yeah, Jesus. while um, yeah, before we get into the book and everything, um, there 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 was a bunch of of stuff that happened while we were waiting for Elsie's subconscious to like reassemble. I'm really worried that like she's overworking herself again, and like she, like she's not going to have another episode or anything, right? Nah, man, nah. Meds, meds are life. Sarah, like there's there's a bit more to it than that. Like therapy, boundary setting, like pushing our show back week to week, like that kind of helps as well like. yeah yeah definitely but like oh meds are so good <laughs> <laughs> it's fun but yes yes before we um before we get into yeah all the stuff that's happened since since we've talked to you guys last um yeah chloe katie maybe Sersha, um do you guys want to just get it all out of your system like, I sort of want to pretend that I don't know what you're talking about right now, but, like, I assume you're talking about what's going on with my boys right now. So, in the interest of time, like, maybe I should just do it. Yeah, so for, for anyone listening that doesn't want to hear Chloe monologue inappropriately about BTS, I'd advise skipping forward three to five minutes. I don't know if that's going to be enough, man. Yeah, Sarah, I have to get in, like, Yoongi's surgery and everything. <gasps> like, Oh, my God, did you guys get, like, such a fright when you got that notification on Weavers? Like, I thought something was, like, really wrong. Like, that he was, like, super, like, really sick or something. Oh, man, like, hard same. Like, I, like, thought he, like, genuinely had COVID or, like, something worse. Like, oh, dude. As adorable as your crush on Suga is, it, it Katie. It is so cute. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but, like, maybe, um, you know, Chloe, you have three minutes starting now what um oh jesus uh okay um so okay uh new album is out on 20 november and i'm like i actually think i'm gonna die lads like it's genuinely gonna happen but like oh but like they released the concept photos for it and like oh my actual god sarah well like, like i know i've i've seen you them. know like i know that but like still though <laughs> <laughs> no 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 sure, girls. no you are eating into my time here um okay so like obviously jk opaz was like the sexiest with all them speakers all over the place that like i'm pretty sure like spell out a message that says chloe i'm coming for you please please wait for me like you just need to like look at it, the photo like sideways in a mirror and kind of tilt your head and like oh, squint like, a bit you what? know but it's definitely there um shut sure, up okay. katie but like yeah jimmy sheds um what's Jim gorgeous Jim? as well like all them flowers like like more flowers than cardi b gets when like offset is apologizing oh, oh yeah man. i said it <laughs> like like J-Hopes is just like so cute I just like won't go shopping with him and like have a bitch over a coffee like I just, I just can't like even even if he's like please buy us now oh my god you're so right <laughs> cleaning like loving on J-Hope like oh my god it's true it's very very true two minutes close <gasps> oh my god <laughs> no, but like seriously like did you guys like notice though that like they the boys like they're they're not like they're like not as whitewashed in like those photos as like any other like photos that they get take i forgot how to like finish this sentence katie there is no time for this tomfoolery okay but like first of all um 
excellent use of tomfoolery. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Katie, I, I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, they're just like not whitewashed. They're like the actual, like the usual color that you see them being in, like say, yeah, when they did on the soup, on the soup, in the soup. Do you think it might be because they're like producing this album themselves? <laughs> Why are you doing this in my time? Amazing. Pretty good. Okay, 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 okay. There were there were two there were two new Run BTS episodes where like they play video games of like pro gamers and like my face hurt from like just smiling at how pure and beautiful all the fun they were having was. It was it was a beautiful thing. It it actually was yeah, pretty pretty deadly. So, so like they were they were playing pro gamers like pro gamers came and they played against them yeah they all knew who they were and stuff like it was it was really really sweet and hubby was really bad at a lot of the games <laughs> oh, well rest assured I love him even more now so the season's greetings teaser was released this week and they all looked amazing even if they do kind of look like a weird photo of your mom and her like brothers at like a U2 gig in like 1989 wow that's specific. But, uh, more importantly, oh. Sarah, Jesus, stop trying to interrupt me and use up my time here. Okay. Poor Jung, he had to have surgery on his shoulder and like, he's going to be out of action for like like months, I think. Are you going to be okay, Katie? Well, like, it's, it's probably going to be a bit hard. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, no, like, everybody knew he had this shoulder injury from like years ago. He fell off a motorbike when he was working. He's like a delivery driver or something. Um, back when they were like training and stuff. Um, I just located his shoulder, but like, and yeah, it hasn't like gotten better. But like, I don't think anybody knew it was as bad as this. Like, I feel real bad yeah, for him. Yeah, he must have been in like so much pain. Yeah. Sarah was that five minutes. You've actually got another couple of seconds. Do you, do you wanna do you wanna make fun of Katie some more? Katie loves you. Katie loves you. Katie loves me. Yungi. She's gonna have his baby. Why? Why would you oh, have the line? But oh. yes, 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 yes. The the US have uh, have a new president. Oh, oh, like seriously, man. Like how long was that going on for? It is so weird though to think of like someone in the White House that's like a grown up bit much of a grown-up when you think about it really what he alts ah i see do you though Wh- where are you going with this I re- I, like i really don't know Sisha is the thing like i just like i think i'm still too upset about yoongi not being involved in the promo for the new <laughs> album it's just so sad <laughs> jesus <Claire. laughs> wasn't it mad though like to not wake up on the day the result was announced and like to not have the trump presidency brexit referendum covid deaths increasing like that that stomach drop that you usually have when you wake up and look yeah at like it is insane right now how used to that feeling we're getting. No wonder everybody's exhausted. Yeah, like we're legitimately like rescue dogs at this point, man. Seriously, like, but, you know, in fairness, between like the election and Pfizer's decent interim results for that COVID vaccine, like, yeah, it's been it's been a pretty solid week all in all. Yeah, like, didn't they say like 90% efficacy? Yeah, yeah. And like no safety concerns. I couldn't see that in any of the like articles that were out. They just mentioned like the units that Pfizer thought they could produce and stuff, and I thought that all sounded like a little premature and everything. Well, like th- no, the press release from Pfizer had like all of that information in there. So like there are forty five thousand enrolled subjects, and they've um, clocked a total of like I think ninety four confirmed cases of COVID. So yeah, they did an interim review of the data to see the efficacy and obviously the safety. You see, this is why you are friends with at least one science student okay I do multimedia I have no idea what any of this means like how can there be 45,000 people in the trial but then 94 cases that they're analysing I, I, I 
do not understand what is going on right now. <laughs> so, no, I thought like the trial will have people volunteer to be in it and they'll either get the vaccine or a placebo and they won't know which one they're on. That's the whole idea. Um, then they'll go back for like checkups, visits to like make sure that they're not having adverse reactions to it or like to see if they, yeah contract COVID. Right, and with a trial that big and a disease that's super prevalent, it sounds like the study had like a hard stop at a certain number of cases of COVID in the people that were enrolled. So like when they hit that number, which they did, they stopped to take a look. Well, not stopped because obviously the people are still in the trial, but like they took the data that they had there and like looked at how long it took to hit that number for people in the vaccinated group versus the placebo group. And then they get to see by comparing the two how effective the vaccine is okay my head hurts but okay so how do they know that it's only no so yeah that's how they know that it's only 90 percent effective okay do they know why like that's probably unlikely but like probably when they have like all the data they'll like look for trends in like ethnicity and like other conditions and stuff like the study said it had a load of like ethnically diverse people in it and everything yeah yeah yeah, i don't know yeah so yeah reading the press release it you know it sounds like they're in lots of contact with the fda and other regulatory bodies like it just yeah it just it does just looks super encouraging it really really does here i have a question yeah for katie oh okay what How does this whole COVID thing, vaccine, you being a scientist, how does all of that work with that arsehole Dave that you're back texting for some reason, um, (sighs) given that he has that weird anti-modern medicine thing going on? Uh, Chloe, come on, man. (gasps) Here, I have a serious issue, okay, with any bloke treating my mates the way that prick insisted on treating Katie before, and I still don't know why you're back texting him, but like, Aside from all that, I am particularly averse to pricks that think that cannabis can be used to treat any illness from dermatitis to, like, syphilis. <sighs> like, like I really don't think you're being, like, sound right now. And, like, uh, CBD, people don't know about the, the, the benefits, but, like... That is an excellent disease choice there. <laughs> that was a, yeah, bravo. Yeah, I am quite proud of it, if I'm honest, Kleena. I've Yeah, really pulled it out of the bag there. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that. Excellent. Oh, what, we're done talking about me? Well, I don't think so, considering how you have not answered my question. Oh, what question, man? Why are you talking to him when he don't even believe in, like, modern medicine, Katie? It's lockdown, man. People are, like, lonely and scared and stuff, okay? Yeah, so Real help talk. me God, Katie Morphy, if you send him nudes, I will not be held responsible for my actions, okay? <laughs> why? Why would I send him nudes, man? Don't you send him no nudes, Katie Morphy! <laughs> this, is, this, can we, this is getting weird, man. Yeah, you, thank you, by the way. <laughs> Fair enough. So maybe maybe we should talk about this week's book. You know, how, how does that sound? That, that sounds so good. It sounds so good right now. Like, just don't take them, Katie. If you don't have no nails, you can't send no nails. All kind. Like, like that is sound logic. In fact. <laughs> Oh, okay, so this week, this week, our book is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Um, this book was was pretty much all over the, the old timeline um, earlier this year. And um, after reading it, I think we can all agree that it's uh, that was for damn good reason. Um, but uh, before before we get into it, sure, let's take a look at the old um, author bio book blurb 
book excerpt sort of trifecta. Uh, Clo Clo, you want to stop talking about nudes for a second to tell the good people at home about Ms. Bennett? Only if Katie don't send no nudes. I'm not going to send anybody nudes, man. Jesus. I mean, that's all I wanted to hear, Katie. Okay. Um, where am I? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Born and raised in Southern California, Britt Bennett graduated from Stanford University and later earned her MFA in fiction at the University of Michigan, where she won a Hopwood Award in graduate short fiction. Short fiction, that's how you say that. <laughs> in 2014, she received the Horton Wright Award for College Writers. She is a National Book Foundation 535 honoree and her debut novel, The Mothers, was a New York Times bestseller. Her second novel, The Vanishing Half, was an instant number one New York Times bestseller. Her essays have been featured in The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, The Paris Review and Jezebel. And then me blurb, let me scroll down, okay, um, from the New York Times bestselling author of The Mothers, a stunning new novel about twin sisters, inseparable as children, who ultimately choose to live in two very different worlds, one black and one white. The Vigne, see, I learned how to say that, okay, for the, I did like me research and everything for the show, chill out, whatever, no big deal. Because <laughs> speak French now. Um, the Vigne twin sisters will always be identical. But after growing up together in a small southern black community and running away at age 16, it's not just the shape of their daily lives that is different as is adults. I, I forgot how to speak English there because I'm a French speaker now. Um, it's everything. Their families, their communities, their racial identities. Many years later, one sister lives with her black daughter in the same southern town she once tried to escape. The other secretly passes for white and her white husband knows nothing of her past. Still, even separated by so many miles and just as many lies, the fate of the twins remains intertwined. What will happen to the next generation when their own daughter's storylines intersect? We've been together multiple strands and generations of this family from the deep south to California, from the 1950s to the 1990s. Britt Bennett produces a story that is at once a riveting emotional family story and a brilliant exploration of the American history of passing. Looking well beyond issues of race, The Vanishing Half considers the lasting influence of the past as it shapes a person's decisions, desires and expectations and explores some of the multiple reasons and realms in which people sometimes feel pulled to live as something other than their origins. As with her New York Times bestselling debut, The Mothers, Britt Bennett offers an engrossing page turner about family and relationships that is immersive and provocative, compassionate and wise. Chill out, whatever, no big deal. What about the excerpt? Um, Kay, I don't think you've done one of these in a while, man. Um, I, c- I can't remember. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, like, I can. It's no hassle. Awesome. Yeah. Knock yourself out. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Are you not going to join it? <laughs> you are so embarrassing, man. Um... Yeah, okay. Um, all right. Yeah, I'm not going to do like an accent or anything. Yeah, that's that's probably for the best. <laughs> Thanks for your devoted confidence, man. All right. Um, okay. Um, yeah. One. Uh, the morning one of the lost twins returned to Mallard, 
Um, Lou LeBon ran to the diner to break the news. I'm so nervous about these names. Um, ran to the diner to break the news. And even now, many years later, everyone remembers the shock of sweaty Lou pushing through the glass doors, chest heaving, neckline darkened with his own effort. The barely awake customers clamored around him. Ten or so, although more would lie and say that they'd been there too, if only to pretend that this once they'd witnessed something truly exciting. In that little farm town, nothing surprising ever happened. Not since the Vigne twins had disappeared. Um, but that morning in April 1968, on his way to work, Lou spotted Desiree Vigne walking along Partridge Road, carrying a small leather suitcase. She looked exactly the same as the time when she'd left at 16. Still light, her skin the colour of barely wet sand. Sand barely wet. Damn it. Um, her, Jesus, this is a serious book and I am making a mockery of it. I apologise, Miss Bennett. Um, her hipless body reminded him of a branch caught in a strong breeze. See, this is awesome. Um, she was hurrying, her head bent, and Lou paused here. Bit of a showman much like myself, he was holding the hand, she was holding the hand of a girl, eight or so, and black as tar. Blue black, he said, like she flown direct from Africa. Lou's egg house splintered into a dozen different conversations. The line cook wondered if it had been Desiree at all, since Lou was turning 60 in May and still too vain to wear his eyeglasses. The waitress said that it had to be. Even a blind man could spot a Vina girl and it certainly couldn't have been that other one. The diners, abandoning grits and eggs on the counter, didn't care about that Vigna foolishness. Who on earth was the dark child? Could she possibly be Desiree's? Well, who else's could it be, Lou said. He grabbed a handful of napkins from the dispenser, dabbing his damp forehead. Maybe it's an orphan that got took in. I just don't see how nothing that black could have come out of Desiree. Desiree seemed like the type to take in no orphan to you. Of course she didn't. She was a selfish girl. If they remembered anything about Desiree, it was that, and most didn't recall much more. The twins had been gone for 14 years, nearly as long as anyone had ever known them. Vanished from bed after the Founders' Day dance while their mother slept right down the hall. One morning, the twins crowded in front of their bathroom mirror, four identical girls fussing with their hair. The next, the bed was empty. The covers pulled back like any other day. Tout when Stella made it, crumpled when Desiree did. The town spent all morning searching for them calling their names through the woods, wondering stupidly if they had been taken. Their disappearance seemed as sudden as the rapture. All of Mallard, the sinners left behind. Naturally, the truth was neither sinister nor mystical. The twins soon surfaced in New Orleans, selfish girls running away from responsibility. They wouldn't stay away long. City living would tire them out. They'd run out of money and gall and come sniffling back to their mother's porch. But they never returned again. Instead... After a year, the twins scattered, their lives splitting as evenly as their shared egg. Stella became white, and Desiree married the darkest man she could find. Now she was back. Lord knows why. Homesick, maybe. Missing her mother after all those years, or wanting to flaunt that dark daughter of hers. In Mallard, nobody married dark. Nobody left either, but Desiree had already done that. Marrying a dark man and dragging his blue-black child all over town was one step too far. In Lou's egg house, the crowd dissolved. The line cook snapping on his hairnet, the waitress counting nickels on the table, men in coveralls gulping coffee before heading out to the refinery. Lou leaned against the smudged window, staring out at the road. He ought to call Adele Vigne. 
didn't seem right for her to be ambushed by her own daughter, not after everything she'd already been through. Now Desiree and that dark child. Lord. He reached for the phone. You think they're fixing to stay? The line cook asked. Who knows? She sure seemed in a hurry, though, Lou said. Wonder what she hurrying to. Look right past me. Didn't waver nothing. Uppity. And what reason she got to be uppity? Lord, Lou said. I never seen a child that black before. It was a strange town. Mallard, named after the ring-necked ducks living in the rice fields and marshes. A town that, like any other, was more idea than place. The place arrived to Alphonse de Coeur in 1848, as he stood in the sugarcane fields he'd inherited from the father who'd once owned him. The father, now dead, the now freed son, wished to build something on those acres of land that would last for centuries to come. A town for men like him, who would never be accepted as white, but refused to be treated as Negroes. A third place. His mother, rest her soul, had hated his lightness. When he was a boy, she'd shoved him under the sun, begging him to darken. Maybe that's what first made him dream of the town. Lightness, like anything inherited at great cost, was a lonely gift. He'd married a mulatto even lighter than himself. She was pregnant then with their first child, and he imagined his children's children's children lighter still, like a cup of coffee steadily diluted with cream. A more perfect Negro each generation lighter than the one before. Soon others came. Soon, idea and place became inseparable, and Mallard carried throughout the rest of the St. Landry Parish. Coloured people whispered about it, wondered about it. White people couldn't believe it even existed. When St. Catherine's was built in 1938, the diocese sent over a young priest from Dublin who arrived certain that he was lost. Didn't the bishop tell him that Mallard was a coloured town? Well, who were these people walking about? Fair and blonde and red-headed, the darkest ones like no swarthier than a Greek? Was this who counted for coloured in America? Who whites wanted to keep separate? How could they ever tell the difference? By the time the Vigna twins were born, Alphonse de Coeur was dead, long gone. But his great-great-great-granddaughters inherited his legacy, whether they wanted to or not. Even Desiree, who complained before every Founder's Day picnic, who rolled her eyes when the Founder was mentioned in school as if none of that business had anything to do with her. This would stick after the twins disappeared. How Desiree never wanted to be part of the town that was her birthright. How she felt that you could flick away history like shrugging a hand off your shoulder. You can escape a town, but you cannot escape blood. Somehow, the Vigna twins believed themselves capable of both. And yet, if Alphonse de Coeur could have like strolled through the town he'd once imagined, he would have been thrilled by the sight of his great-great-great-granddaughters. Twin girls, creamy skin, hazel eyes, wavy hair. He would have marveled at them. For the child to be a little more perfect than the parents. What could be more wonderful than that? The Vigna twins vanished on August 14, 1954, right after the Founders' Day dance, which everyone realised later had been their plan all along. Stella, the clever one, would have predicted that the town would be distracted. Sun drunk from the long barbecue in the town square where Willie Lee, the butcher, smoked racks of ribs and brisket and hot links. Then the speech by Mayor Fontenot, Father Kavanaugh blessing the food, the children already fidgety, picking flecks of crispy chicken skin from plates held by praying parents. 
a long afternoon of celebration while the band played, the night ending in a dance in the school gymnasium where the grown folks stumbled home after too many cups of Trinity Thierry's rum punch. The few hours back in the gym, pulling them tenderly towards their younger selves. And at the other night, Sal Delafosse might have peeked out his window to see two girls walking under the moonlight. Adele Vigne would have heard the floorboards creak. Even Lou Le Bon, closing down the diner, might have seen the twins through the foggy glass panes. But on Founders Day, Lou's egg house closed early. Sal, feeling suddenly spry, rocked to sleep with his wife. Adele snored through her cups of rum punch, dreaming of dancing with her husband at homecoming. No one saw the twins sneak out, exactly how they'd intended. The idea hadn't been Stella's at all. During that final summer, it was Desiree who'd decided to run away after the picnic, which should not have been surprising, perhaps. Hadn't she for years told anyone who would listen that she couldn't wait to leave Mallard? Mostly she'd told Stella, who indulged her with the patience of a girl long used to hearing delusions. To Stella, leaving Mallard seemed as fantastical as flying to China. Technically possible, but that didn't mean that she could ever imagine herself doing it. But Desiree had always fantasised about life outside of this little farm town. When the twins saw Roman Holiday at the Nickel Theatre in Opelosis, sure, yeah, that's how that said, um, she, she'd barely been able to hear the dialogue over the other coloured kids in the balcony, rowdy and bored, tossing popcorn at the white people sitting below. But she'd pressed against the railing, transfixed, imagining herself gliding above the clouds to some far-off place like Paris or Rome. She'd never even been to New Orleans, only two hours away. The only thing waiting for you out there is wildness, her mother always said, which, of course, only made Desiree want to go even more. The twins knew a girl named Farah Thibodeau who, a year ago, had fled to the city and it sounded so simple. How hard could leaving be if Farah, one year older than they, had done it? Desiree imagined herself escaping into the city and becoming an actress. She'd only starred in one play in her life, Romeo and Juliet in the ninth grade, but when she'd taken centre stage, she'd felt, for a second, that maybe Mallard wasn't the dullest town in America. Her classmates cheering for her, Stella receding into the darkness of the gym, Desiree feeling like only herself for once, not a twin, not one half of an incomplete pair. But the next year, she'd lost the role of Viola in Twelfth Night to the mayor's daughter after her father had made a last-second donation to the school. And after an evening sulking in the stage wing as Mary Lou Fontenot beamed and waved to the crowd, she told her sister that she could not wait to leave Mallard. You always say that, Stella said, because it's always true. But it wasn't. Not really. She didn't hate Mallard as much as she felt trapped by its smallness. She'd trampled the same dirt roads her entire life. She'd carved her initials onto the bottom of school desks that her mother had once used and that her children would use someday, feeling her jagged scratching with their fingers. And the school was in the same building it had always been, all the grades together so that even moving up to Mallard High hadn't felt like a progression at all, just a step across the hallway. Maybe she would have been able to endure all this if it weren't for everyone's obsession with lightness. Syl Galori and Jack Richard arguing in the barbershop about whose wife was fairer, or her mother yelling after her to always wear a hat, or people believing ridiculous things like drinking coffee or eating chocolate while pregnant might turn a baby dark. Her father had been so light that on a cold morning, she could turn his arm over to see the blue of his veins. But none of that mattered when the white men came for him, so how could she care about lightness after that? She barely remembered him now. It scared her a little. Life before he died seemed like a story she'd been told, 
a time when her mother hadn't risen at dawn to ride buses to clean white people's houses or taken in extra washing on the weekends, clotheslines zigzagging around their living room. The twins used to love hiding behind the quilts and sheets before Desiree realised how humiliating it was. Your home always filled with strangers' dirty things. If it was true, then you'd do something about it, Stella said. She was always so practical. On Sunday nights, Stella ironed her clothes for the entire week, unlike Desiree, who rushed around each morning to find a clean dress and finish the homework crushed in the bottom of her book bag. I feel you, Desiree. (laughs) Stella liked school. She'd earned top marks in arithmetic since kindergarten, and during her sophomore year, Mrs. Belton even allowed her to teach a few classes to the younger grades. She'd given Stella a worn calculus textbook from her own Spellman days, and for weeks Stella lay in bed trying to decipher the odd shapes and long strings of numbers nested in parentheses. Once, Desiree flipped through the book, but the equations spanned like an ancient language, and Stella snatched the book back, as if by looking at it, Desiree had sullied it somehow. Stella wanted to become a school teacher at Mallard High someday. But every time Desiree imagined her own future in Mallard, life carrying on forever as it always had, she felt something clawing at her throat. When she mentioned leaving, Stella never wanted to talk about it. We can't leave Mama, she always said, and chastened, Desiree fell silent. She's already lost so much, was the part that never needed to be said. On the last day of 10th grade, their mother came home from work and announced that the twins would not be returning to school in the fall. They'd had enough schooling, she said, easing gingerly onto the couch to rest her feet, and she needed them to work. The twins were 16 then and stunned, although maybe Stella should have noticed the bills that arrived more frequently, or Desiree should have wondered why, in the past month alone, their mother had sent her to Fontenot's twice to ask for more credit. Still, the girls stared at each other in silence as their mother unlaced her shoes. Stella looked like she'd been socked in the gut. But I can work and go to school too, she said. I'll find a way. You can't, honey, her mother said. You gotta be there during the day. You know I wouldn't do this if I didn't need to. I know, but... And Nancy Belton got you teaching the class. What more do you need to learn? She had already found them a job cleaning a house in Opelosis and they would need to start in the morning. Desiree hated helping her mother clean, plunging her hands into dirty dishwater, stooping over mops, knowing that someday her fingers would also grow fat and gnarled from scrubbing white folks' clothes. But at least there would be no more tests or studying or memorising, no more listening to lectures bored to tears. She was an adult now. Finally, life would really begin. But as the twins started dinner... Stella remained silent and glum, rinsing carrots under the sink. Yeah, definitely the right call, not doing the accent. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I, uh, it was hard to, yeah, like there's a lot of weird pronunciation in there. Absolutely would have, it would have been very offensive to a lot of people. <laughs> Well, on that on that triumphant note, um, triumphant. We'll, we'll take a break here. We've got a lot to say on this one and it'll be good to get a, a straight run at it, not not um, stop in the middle of any key points that any of you guys are going to be making. And me. I, yeah, I assume I and you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hold on, you guys. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes for more uh, Chicklet for Life. Don't go away. What's that? Lockdown isn't that bad? The main things you miss are hugging strangers and playing with random children from your cul-de-sac? Wrong. We know the one thing you truly miss is one euro Wednesday here at DUC Students' Union. They said a drinks deal couldn't be rhymed with Wednesday. 
They said selling vodka at one euro a shot couldn't be financially viable. They said five kegs of expired Budweiser couldn't be turned into the most epic water slide this college has ever seen. Can you afford to miss how we rewrite the history books next? Didn't think so. See you after lockdown, bitches. DUC Students' Union does not condone the consumption of expired alcoholic beverages. Please consult a doctor before applying externally. DUC Students' Union does not accept liability for injuries withstood as part of any on- or off-campus beer water slide events. Please drink non-expired alcoholic beverages responsibly. Like, that's just embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, I think the less said about the student bars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> just just breeze past that whole situation. That would, that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so what do we want to say? What, what are we going to say about the vanishing half, people? Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Like, like I agree, but but I'm interested in 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 why why you say that. Well, like I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because Elsie's been off this week. But I don't know. It's just been really hard to like actually get anything done this week. So it's just I don't know. It's just really hard to like apply my brain or something. Not like real talk. Like it's just so crap the way like you just want to take baths and like watch K-dramas when you're off, innit? Oh, d- like please do not start talking about Gu Hedeong. Like seriously, man. She is my hero, Katie. Why don't you want me to have strong female characters to look up to? I just, I can't believe you're being so anti-feminist right now. I, 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 hey, if we give you an Instagram or Twitter spot to talk about your latest K-drama crush during the week, would that help move this conversation along and not have us spiral into this whole tangent situation yes yes I think it would is anyone else surprised at Chloe's preference for historical Korean dramas over doors set in present day or is that just me? I'm, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it is not where I thought you'd land on the K-drama spectrum, Chloe. Well, like, like it might just be the clothes, but like the female characters are never like as pathetically thin in historical Korean dramas than like the girls in them like I Taiwan class type dramas. That's, that's not how you say that, man. I know, Katie. It was the joke. Oh. Um... Hilarious. <laughs> so we gonna talk about this book, Sarah? Are we? <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Yes. Um, I don't know. Oh, it's just it's hard to start a conversation about this other than like, oh man, it was so gorgeous. Oh, but it was. It was so gorgeous. Well, like, and and this is just an idea. But like, maybe we could talk about why it was as gorgeous as it was. Well, do you wanna start us off then? Maybe. Um, okay. Um, right. Uh, okay, this is, this is going to sound wanky. Do it, Fina. Do it. Okay. Um, oh man. Okay. So, uh, like, the way that the book's written, like, the voice or whatever, there's this, like, music to it or something. Like, the cadence of how the words are, like, arranged or whatever it's kind of transportative like you you know like clearly the book tells you where it's set and everything but there's something about the way the words are arranged that tells you where the book is based as well it's i, I can't really explain it no 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 no. i, I agree with you i do the, the way the sentences are written like it, it almost 
controls the speed you read them at and kind of where the stresses are and stuff. It's like, it's sort of like, oh my God, this is going to sound so stupid. But like this really like wise older person like telling you this story and you're like completely engrossed in every aspect of what they're telling you. Like every rough edge in their voice, every time they like glaze over, like they're looking into the past. Like every time they come back to the present to tell you something they've learned since then that might have helped them, you know, if they'd have known where that did get wanky. There's nothing wrong with embracing the more poetic side of life, Katie. But then, like, why does it make me feel weird then? Because you're so repressed. <laughs> <laughs> so mean, oh, man. So mean. <laughs> no, I, I thought, I thought there were some deadly, like, Im- imid- images, Im- imagery, Im- images. Either, either works. Okay, images. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like, say in that bit there, there was like a tiny bit where like we see the twins's bed and like the way it's put is like the bed sheets are always pulled back out when Stella makes it and like it's all crumpled when Desiree does. Like that's just a couple lines, but like it tells us loads about the twins' like characters or whatever. Like it don't waste no space, you know? Yeah, yeah. There are a bunch of moments like that, like where Reese takes photos of Jude. She's in focus, like all the photos of her in school were either super overexposed or too dark like but kind of that sort of says almost like Reese was the the first person to like properly see her you know that's what like him taking those photos of her and him coming out right sort of symbolized or something oh okay um in true chiclet for life fashion we are getting way way ahead of ourselves here so a quick family tree maybe just so that everybody's on the same page um desiree and stella vigna are our twins that went missing when they were teenagers adele is their mother and their father died tragically when they were young he didn't die sarah he was lynched twice well yeah it's an important distinction to make like what what was that line in the book he was killed because he refused to die jesus that's yeah so yeah yeah their their dad was was lynched twice um and and that pretty much haunts the two girls uh they were there when it happened um so they run away to new orleans and stella finds that she can pass for white and somehow that becomes her life she marries a white businessman and devotes herself to pretty much erasing her entire past desiree on the other hand who's like abandoned by her sister meets a black man after moving to washington and is sort of taken by how unashamed he is of his like ethnicity which is pretty hot to be fair search what he was in absolute pig man that may be katie but i mean it doesn't mean that desiree's initial attraction to him like doesn't make sense yeah katie oh my god uh, no i'm with katie on this one sam was well, okay, just you know what before oh. we get into all of that maybe if we just take a second to mention jude oh man jude was just like too amazing man yeah yeah we all loved jude like upsetting amounts like you just know that she looks like exactly like lupita nyong'o and like everybody going on like she's an ogo just because she's so jerk like what's that about oh that's who i was thinking of uh, is, it, is it okay if i take a lupita nyong'o moment right now <laughs> yeah, that, that that you know what that's probably only good and proper my friends i really appreciate that yeah i'll, I'll be back as soon as i can 
<laughs> so so Jude is um, Desiree and Sam's oh, daughter. Um, she's the young girl we see with Desiree in in the I, excerpt I, I, from I, earlier. No, and I then Reese is a very handsome young man that Jude yeah. befriends when she goes to LA for college. And and Reese, um, really? oh, wow. he he has his Sounds own past um, that that he's trying to get away from. Yeah, yeah. I guess we can just decide just how much we want dreams. to share about Not that. Is Clint talking to herself? She talking to imaginary Lupita. That's it's yeah, appropriate. I talk to imaginary JK all the time. No, we yeah. know, man. We know. <laughs> okay, before we get into that, okay, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty sure we can talk about this without spoiling anything too much. Yeah, like the the thing is, like, it's everybody it's we're talking about Dublin. wants maybe to a, get away from away. themselves yeah. or like where they came from because it like wasn't or like didn't. Oh, Lupita, really. Oh, my goodness. Like, I guess the reasons were different for like everybody, weren't they? Really? Well, like, I, yeah, personally, I think it was, like, to do with expectation. Well, how do you mean? Well, like, everybody in the story has grown up with an expectation of how they're supposed to be, like, be it based on race or gender or wealth. There's, like, an expectation there being placed on them from the outside, and it doesn't match up with, with, with like, their feeling of who they are on the inside. Oh, I like that. Before we go any further, Kleena, we have to work on your sexual fantasies. That sounds like a work meeting more than anything. I am going to woo Lupita with my unshakable respect for her professional pursuits. It's it's a watertight plan, Chloe. And how is that any different from you like learning how to play League of Legends for when you eventually meet Jungkookio, pal, Chloe? I told you that <laughs> in confidence, Sergio Flannery. <laughs> what is wrong with you? League of Legends isn't even that good, man. Mario Kart is the game to get the shift over. Okay, this conversation has taken unexpected turns. I am going to need to hear a lot more about this Mario Kart theory. Let me just get a pen here. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, like, Mario Kart is obviously adorable and, like, amazing crack. Standard. And, yeah. And yeah, like, some people are, like, really, really good at it, but, like, on the whole, everybody's, like, just okay, which means that, like, the races tend to be, like, pretty close, and if you, like, throw out a few items or whatever, then you, like, get to have pretend arguments where you're pissed <gasps> off when actually... You just want to have a play fight and end up getting the shift, Katie? That is genius! <laughs> I would like to clarify for our international listeners that getting the shift is Irish country person speak for kissing the person you like for longer than is necessary. And actually, why are you using that bug trotter phrase, Saoirse? What happened to all this, oh, I'm from Drumcondra, I'm a dub? It is only polite to speak in the same language as your friends if you know how. We truly do not deserve you, Saoirse. Yeah. Hey, wait. Oh my god, Katie, you are so slow. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, that expectation thing, Sarah, I don't want to let go of that. That I really, really like that. Oh, thanks, Sersh. No, because like that's the thing about Mallard, right? So like, well, obviously the thing about Mallard is the fact that like light-skinned or mixed-race black people back in the 60s in the southern United States had to exist in a weird middle ground where like they wouldn't have been welcomed in either black communities or white communities. But then, yeah, in Mallard, there's this idea of internalizing racism that has people want to be even lighter than they are that that whiteness is the top ranking form of existence and that it's something to aspire to like did you just think of that just there hmm? well I mean I guess I mean like I wasn't really I wasn't really thinking about anything but like yeah I just said the thing you know when you're not even when you're not thinking with your brain you're thinking with your mouth um but yeah no, no like there's yeah there's just expectation in that is what I was saying. Like, expectation that you'll want to be white, but that you won't ever actually try to be in practice because you're not. Um, because race is important. 
for the only reason that that that, that being that people like with money and power say that race is important that's that's the only reason like no seriously how do you think of that stuff like even when you're not saying it properly i i can't handle my life when you're around like seriously like how how does that work clearly you say stuff like that too we were talking during the week about how it made perfect sense that desiree would rebel against the strict rules in mallard and stella would take them too far yeah but it didn't sound as smart as all that like clearly you said that the only thing that would change how someone reacts to that level of expectation is the thing that gets them attention as children that's that's their driving force that's kind of as smart as it gets jesus yeah here like i get you they're trying to be nice and everything but like no it's not not like what you say Saoirse no no it's true though like my mom <laughs> she's from this council estate like originally like oh here she wouldn't like me saying that uh, do you know what like it's not like she's going to be listening to this anyway so clee uh, dude you don't you don't have to talk about any of that stuff no 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 no. it's crying like I was talking in group about how like I should be more okay with this stuff so yeah yeah mommy was is was anyway um yeah she's like she's not ashamed that she came from a council house but like if you talk to her now not that I ever do but like if you talk to her now about public housing she talks about it like the people that live there are like actual animals like sort of like public housing isn't something that should be offered to anyone ever like she wouldn't like her new bloke knowing where she came from you know oh yeah you say he like he owns a golf club or something wasn't it uh, yeah <laughs> you'd want to hear the accent on her now like <laughs> she's from Matai as well but like when I saw her she, last time I saw her was last year at Uncle Phelan's funeral um, and she was all oh Kleena how how much you've grown I can't really do it <laughs> isn't it wonderful that clothes are available for girls with your build these days what uh, no, I'm no. a fight her she used, no, to, no, she used to always say that even oh. even back when she was at home dude um, she's not wrong you know I'm built for sport that's what that's what my PE teachers used to used to say d- d- dude like that is not okay people can't talk to you like that like, seriously man here no like I don't want to get into all that like it's not a big deal I don't think about it it doesn't bother me like it's just more I understand what what Chloe was saying so like you don't see her or nothing no I think <laughs> I think her bloke might be afraid that I'll like infect his Dublin kids with culture no oh my god like that's a real thing like my auntie's going out with this bloke from Carlow like and he's like super normal and everything but like you'd want to hear the way me man or sister is like go on about him it's not okay where where in Carlo is he from? Ah, uh, Clay, don't don't go to that country person place, man. Oh, it's just it's so hard to ignore the training. What's his family name? Where's his home place? <laughs> oh, dude, no, don't do it. Like you'll wake up someday and you'll be talking about how there's like a whole rake of Bidens out in Rosgommon near your grand aunt. <laughs> so like Joe Biden must be Irish, <laughs> not the Bidens out Monaghan way. No, 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 no. Whole different set of Bidens. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what's going on right now. Nor should you. This isn't for you, Chloe. <laughs> yes, in conclusion, ordering people that are exactly the same as you is a distressingly common thing. Like, I'm so confused. Is Joe Biden Irish? <laughs> <laughs> why are you on this show? Oh, that's amazing. Like, why? <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> You did You did say something interesting though, Chloe, um, that the way the twins reacted could have been based on how they were treated as kids. You know, like, like I'm interested in 
yeah, you saying more about that, please. Um, all right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, okay. Um, so there's this bit, I remember being in there, that Adele knew she had to get Desiree to, like, behave because she was so headstrong when she was little. And, like, yeah, I think the line is, like, you have to curb a stubborn child or something. But, like, the end result is that, like, she spent all her time just giving out to, like, Desiree and leaving Stella alone because she was good. But it ends up that Desiree felt just attacked for years and Stella felt ignored. And, like, Stella just wanted to, like be good and like work hard and like that was how she was going to get her recognition but like when it ended up that she couldn't keep going school because they had to help bring in money since their dad was dead and everything like her dreams of being a teacher couldn't happen so like she goes on being good being a maid until she like can't handle that no more with Um, good reason exactly and so she runs away with Desiree and keeps on being good and the thing about that is like lightness or like near whiteness like you were saying was like the most important thing in Mallard so like she's such a hard worker at it that she learns the actual like rules for whiteness so and like practices them so well that like she gets proper accepted as a white person and it's yeah it just makes sense that like her being such a hair worker meant that she ended up in that place you know she kind of took the rules that they were following in Mallard too far like, I mean, that's just very good. You know, you Jezri. Don't be making fun of me, Katie. <laughs> like, I'm not. Like, it's just that good. I want to hear it, man. Oh, that's nice. Oh, my God. It feels so loved right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Desiree. Okay, yeah. Like, the thing about Desiree is that, like, it makes sense that she'd want to run away and, like, that she'd want to rebel and stuff. But, like, the thing that was kind of cool about her was when, like, Stella, like, abandoned her to, like, become white, like, which is what happens. She sort of, like, rebels against that. She's, like, not all about her own blackness that much, like, granting before that. She just wanted to, like, reject Mallard. But, like, even after, like, consciously or whatever, but, like... Then when she sees Sam and he's so like unashamedly himself. Oh, like, that suit, yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty hot, all right. <laughs> so yeah, again, for our listeners, Sam, uh, Desiree's husband, is, uh, yeah, as we heard in the excerpt, uh, a very kind of dark black man um, who, when Desiree sees him first, he's wearing this like lavender tie that makes him look like even darker. And it's, it's so contradictory to everything she was told about blackness in Mallard that she's like all in pretty much straight away oh my god did you guys have like a super racist reaction to Sam when you heard about him first oh like where you thought he was like a mechanic or like a labourer yeah 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 or like like unemployed or something he was a state prosecutor man I know Katie that's why I'm saying it was racist Jesus oh yeah okay that's actually kind of Fair enough. (laughs) Like, I guess the takeaway from this series is that we are super racist, like, all the time and had no idea. Yeah, it, it, uh, it really does seem to be the case. And, um, I personally can't move for the shame. Well, you know, man, we can't fix something we don't know about, right? So this is, this is us, um, finding out good and proper, um, about all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that is the idea. Um, but... Yeah, the the it was just it was just really strange. The the uh, you would think, and everyone in Mallard obviously thought that Desiree was going to have the harder time of it choosing 
to embrace yeah blackness either out of out of rebellion or or whatever reason and Stella would have the easier time of it going to be white going to be on the oh my god on the the winning team Uh, Um, but the thing is reading the book I wonder did Desiree have a better time of it you know going back to Mallard and, and meeting early again when I post this episode I'm going to subtitle it just to clarify for our listeners oh my god I'm so sorry yeah yeah early is um, a boy that Desiree knew when she was growing up who like worked on a farm nearby um he wasn't someone that she was like supposed to be spending time with her mother would have been like scandalized but when she returns to Mallard they come across each other again and um it turns out that they 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 really get each other yeah that's a good way to put it yeah so like yeah it was really strange for a relationship to be that romantic where both people want it to be relatively casual as opposed to them wanting to spend like every waking moment together because they can't live without each other yeah you'd wonder is it because of the understanding it sort of shows like they both know what the other one needs there's there's a line in there um that says that yeah Desiree and, and Early worked as a couple um yeah because they didn't want to trap each other yeah yeah and I guess like being trapped is like a mental thing like Desiree couldn't wait to get out of Mallard and ends up back there but because of Early not being like on top of her and her mother being less of like a looming presence over her it's like she's she's like not as trapped as she was yeah kind and of. like if it was just her and her mom now, like Stella isn't there no more, like maybe it's a good thing, like not to be half of a two person team all the time. Like Desiree gets to be her own person um, without Stella there, even though she like misses her loads. Yeah, like she, yeah, uh, she, she talks about her like all the time. Yeah, I do think being a twin must be like really confusing, like having someone else there all the time who's been like sort of beside you since you were born. Like it'd make sense that you'd want to be. Young- on your own and be your own person but like then at the same time if the person that was there beside you since the beginning of time was suddenly gone like you'd probably feel like you lost a limb or something yeah it is confusing all right but it's i i was wondering reading the book like is, is was it another reason why early in desiree's relationship was so satisfying to read about like stella didn't come into it for him you know he just wanted to be with her which it seemed like that wasn't in her yeah like realm of experience before that I really liked his relationship with Jude oh man yeah he was just like sort of like real quiet and consistent or something like that must have been just like so like calming after the situation with her dad and everything she not real Kate you know what I mean man (laughs) (laughs) it was really sad though that she had like all those fantasies about her dad like coming and saving her from everyone in Mallard that just kind of hated her existence because she was so dark like yeah. oh that was that was pretty heartbreaking yeah it was like sort of almost like because she was the only person that looked like that it, therefore she got to be the butt of every joke like just because she was in the absolute minority obviously she's there for like everyone else's amusement or something it's really really cruel but like 
it's also like you see it constantly like yeah like like you all know how much I enjoy slagging people off you know and you know making fun of Katie particularly everybody in like a 10 mile radius is aware of that Chloe okay so now is that 10 miles that where I am right now or where you are right now seeing as how we're both locked down right now why why are you like this why <laughs> but like no shh okay but like <laughs> if my ma asks my auntie's boyfriend again where he's parked his tractor and why isn't he wearing his like formal wellies since he's up into big smoke like I won't I like what am I going to do? Like genuinely, like it's not even funny. Like, like, because the thing is, when I have a go at Katie, it's hilarious. It is hilarious to be fair, Katie. It really, <laughs> really is. Like there is absolutely no point in me saying anything because it will just lead to more slagging. Like this is actual bullying right now. <sighs> so true. So very, very true, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> like no but no the thing is like it's the same thing every time they see the bloke like no one ever asks him like how he is or if he's got any news or nothing like oh it's all just oh did it take you long to get up here on the tractor shawnee oh did it take you long to get the cow shit off your boots did it shawnee did you remember to cover the silage pit shawnee jesus mary and joseph you couldn't leave that open john joe mahoney could be killed shawnee appropriate lack of respect there for people that do die after falling into slurry tanks typical jackine mentality if ever you saw it who did the one saying it not me also jackine really is it 1962 girls 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 are we going to let chloe's family's intolerance of our great culture traditions tear us apart like that's what they want oh my god you're so right Kleena. like i mean it would be playing right into their hands and i mean we're missing the main point here i mean unless i'm very much mistaken chloe is saying that being from the country is awesome. Uh, I think you'll find you are very much mistaken, Katie Morphy. <laughs> just saying that, yeah, the way people were going on in Mallard, like Jude just being alive was an actual insult to them. It reminded me of my aunties and poor El Shani. Like there was one bit in the book where there was like a bunch of people talking about how it was a disgrace that Desiree had the young one out walking to like church or something without even a hat in her head to like hide how dark she was and like could actually hear my auntie Trish talking about how Shawnee's big stupid runners were ridiculous his runners are big enough for his feet that's how shoes work like how dumb are these bitches they could be like listening right now dude how dumb are you auntie Trish you don't even know how shoes work okay <laughs> but then but then on top of all that yeah you've got her relationship with Reese, right so uh, yeah Jude meets Reese when she goes to college oh yeah yeah so yeah we've got like a time skip uh, from the time where Desiree returns to Mallard to when Jude is old enough to go to college um, she gets into uh, yeah UCLA on, on a track scholarship you're very good at that. What? Summarising everything in like a line or two. Why, thank you. Why, you're welcome. Here, if you could stop flirting for like a second, could we please talk about Super Sexy Race? Whoa, Chloe. <laughs> what? No, just like very cool. Like What? He's super sexy. Like every single actual page be talking about how extremely attractive the boy is. But, but like, oh man, it's, it's a spoiler though, isn't it? Well, like, I don't know, like... Any more than anything else we've said? I don't know. Like, I think I might have looked at their first interaction differently if I'd have known. Yeah, yeah, okay. I suppose that. Yeah, so for, yeah, anybody who doesn't want to hear what we're going to say about Reese, which is, it is kind of a plot point, um, maybe skip the next five or so minutes of the show. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, well, like, yeah, Reese. Reese is, is a trans man and um I just I just hadn't come across that in a story before yeah yeah it was like really affecting like Jude and Reese like getting really close but like 
not allowing anything to go to a romantic or sexual place because of all of the obviously necessary barriers that Reese had up to like yeah protect himself I guess yeah and like Jude being like pretty confused by it all because like she doesn't know everything about him obviously but like the thing is like it was like super sad because like you could tell that they were like mad about each other but like it wasn't really like gut-wrenching oh no what are they going to do like really melodramatic stuff with the way they were being with each other it was it was just real real like it was just a more serious like way more serious version of like what well, um, my experience of like oh do they like me do they not like me you know that you go through with guys or girls Sorry, Kleena. Here, I won't be going through anything with anyone until this lockdown is over. So. Oh my God, yeah. Hard same, my friend. Hard same. But yeah, like they were just like getting stuff wrong and missing each other in like understanding and like the one thing that would have fixed everything would be to just have like one open, honest conversation. Like that is actually the story of my life with any bloke ever. <laughs> oh my God, I know. <laughs> so horrible. <laughs> so like, even though what they were going through was like way more complicated than anything I've ever dealt with. More complicated complicated than grace smashing your huda eyeshadow palette <laughs> dude <laughs> why why would you, sarah why would you bring that up again we were on a two-day streak man seriously feels like longer no no it's not the last message about it was on monday at 6 p.m i just keep thinking about how i'm never going to be able to do that pink sparkly neutral eye ever again what's the point in living anymore and that's when cleana sent the j-hope and gift. that's when cleana sent the j-hope gift exactly i really do appreciate you being a hobby stun to make me feel better right now clea i really do well um it's mostly because hope world is so deadly but um yeah whatever makes you feel better i suppose it really does make me feel better to think you're just doing it for me oh well 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 then um in honor of my new j-hope um bias dumb yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, w- would you like to return to your thoughts about Reese uh, and Jude? It's, it's what Hobie would want me to do, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, fam. He's he's a pro. He is a pro, Sarah. Yeah, I mean, you're the main dancer of this conversation right now, Chloe. Oh, oh my God, it's so so yeah even though <coughs> oh do it for hobie even though jude and reese sort of like oh my god ran away from yeah from where they came from as well oh yeah 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 no this is what we were talking about yeah they ran away they they like the same as Stella and Desiree yeah they ran away from who they were and, and where they came from and all but like they seem to genuinely like become who they truly were at the end of it or maybe they just found a way to be happy no no I think I, I agree with you no 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 the, Desiree is happy too um to an extent but only when she comes back like after she's done running away like when she's with sam (gasps) did you guys think that like the fact that she's with sam during the time of dr king's assassination and like the riots and everything that that made their relationship even tenser than it would have been anyway i don't think that's 
an excuse for like beating your wife, Sirsh. No, and I'm not saying that it is, obviously. But like the fact that, oh, Jesus, the fact that Desiree looked like the enemy had to have complicated their relationship further, right? Oh, it's just so sad that Jude could like remember that sort of violence when she was like growing up. Like. Yeah, it's like sort of similar to Stella having like pretty much full on PTSD after seeing her dad dragged out of home and like murdered. Oh, it's just so sad. Like, but like, it sort of felt like Jude's preoccupation with Stella was sort of like another way for her to try to like escape how she felt like she didn't fit. I don't know why I'm saying that now. That has nothing to do with anything we've just talked about. <laughs> but I'm nice. saying it now. That's where this conversation is going. <laughs> like maybe, like maybe if she found Stella, that maybe she'd figure out what was like wrong with who she was because she felt like there was something wrong with who she was. I I don't know, man. I thought it was more that like she couldn't connect with that side of her mother because like she never really talked about it or yeah and she like thought that maybe finding Stella would like bring all of the things she like didn't understand about home and her mom and everything like into focus or something. Well I, I didn't even think of any of that I just sort of thought that since Jude felt so like apart from everyone else in the world that it made sense that she was super interested in Stella as someone outside of herself that belonged to her because she didn't have that many people like if she was obsessing over who and where Stella was then she also wasn't thinking about who and where she was like it's like it is just so sad but like it, it is kind of the big thing that ties all their stories together isn't it like feeling apart from everyone else and either wanting to find out why or wanting to cover it up like though I suppose Stella's the only person that actively covered up who she was you could say the same thing about Kennedy. Like, she's not covering up who she is, but she was, like, being who she thought she was, like, really, really loudly, which is kind of the same. Oh, shit. To clarify for our listeners, <laughs> <laughs> Kennedy is Stella's daughter. Yeah. That idea that Stella didn't know if she'd be found out as, like, a black lady when she had Kennedy, that was... That was pretty crazy. Yeah, like, could you imagine having, like, a lie so big that, like, you couldn't do, like, crazy, normal life event stuff, like, like having a family? A lot of people can't have families, Kay. Yeah, no, like, no, but, like, geez, like, like, the reason for it being, like, that you're afraid of some buried truth about you coming out. Like, I thought it was even harder that, like... Stella had to be like so much more racist than the white people around her and like the reason being that that was her best defense to avoid being like found out because she had this idea that other black people would recognize who she was and that that would out her like that so she had to be like especially prejudiced about being anywhere around black people and being really against them coming to her neighborhood or her daughter playing with black children or anything that was that was wild. That was a a, a a perspective he hadn't really thought about. Yeah, the fact that that fear was what made her like be the worst version of herself or whatever. That was, yeah, fear does make people do some pretty crazy things. Are you apologizing for Stella's racist outbursts right now, Katie, for her eliciting hateful actions against other black people? Is that what I am 
airing right now? Like, obviously not, man, but it's like a weird feeling to understand where someone is coming from in their prejudice. Jesus. Like, it was not okay. And, like, Stella knew that that's what was interesting about it, you know, which is why she felt so guilty and tried to make friends with the black lady that moved into her neighborhood. I mean, come on, man. (laughs) Did you think that it was, like, written, like she was almost having an affair with that lady? Oh, my God, yeah. Like, and... I think it kind of makes sense as well like she was kind of getting to explore what it might have been like if she'd stayed as her true self like the same way someone gets to explore what it might have been like if they weren't with their current partner during a sexual affair like but but Stella was never going to leave her life as a white lady just like you know that guy who's treating you as his side chick like is never going to leave his wife wow that's that's specific sir speaking from experience there man well I mean like third hand experience but still you know they never leave their wives and Stella didn't leave hers yeah, it is. It is a sad book in that way. Oh, I don't know. I think we get to see what a search for identity really looks like, you know, with like Kennedy. She's so spoiled and has so many options. She almost tries to construct a self out of everything that's available to her, like, which, yeah, it blows up in her face because there's too much there to make just one person Like going off to be an actress while expecting her parents to support her because they do simply because she can you know she's sort of tormented by the amount of space she has available to be herself in she doesn't know what to do with it just like Stella is tormented by the six inches of space she's given herself to operate in you know I can't say that I can't think this I might get found out yeah yeah and then with Jude and Reese and Desiree really they have such obvious obstacles Jude is going to be the color she is forever Reese can't argue with the physical situation he's got going on Desiree had to go back to Mallard for her own safety those are things they just have to accept eventually or like yeah find a way to they they find like the peace in those places maybe I feel like I'm not saying that right no man no I think that's like pretty much it but like more than peace like maybe they like figure out that like the places they end up in are like pretty amazing like they find like the beauty in it where this did get wanky right (laughs) (laughs) but here will we have uh, a go with some easter eggs before we wrap up alrighty alrighty Um, let me see oh yeah I had a bunch of flashcards with the names of different body parts and muscle groups written on them Um, folks can keep an eye out for that when they're reading yeah that that easter egg is a lot more wholesome than it sounds yeah seriously (laughs) (laughs) what about you then Kay Um, oh yeah there is there is this set of encyclopedias like they're like books they're like big dictionaries and stuff like my mom is always bitching about us being on our phones all the time and saying that like when she was young like she was super jealous of kids that had like sets of encyclopedias because like they could do school projects without needing to go to the library during like the five seconds it's open every day but like wouldn't she be all about you being on your phone then because like everything's on there and you don't need to go to no library one would think Chloe one would think (laughs) what about you Chloe well there is a very sexy fig fig yes sir a fig like in fig rolls but before they put it into the fig roll the flu it's a fig okay jesus it is very sexy yes thank you Saoirse yes it is and i would thank you all to remember that i was the one that clocked it when we first read it okay (laughs) why is that important (laughs) Saoirse Saoirse what do you think well there was a shared cigarette in there that was very lovely oh yeah now voyager vibes oh nice nice um clee 
Uh, there was a sun shower that I think folks could keep an eye out for. Oh, the devil beating his wife. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah Jesus. It was so sad, man. Uh, the lovely phrase, though. Yeah, that's kind of the whole thing with this book, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's it, folks. You can find out more about Brit Bennett at BritBennett.com. And The Vanishing Half is available on Kindle, Apple Books, and at all reputable booksellers. Buy independent where you can. Folks need your custom now more than ever. Oh, my God, we should do like another list of like our favourite bookshops for people to buy from and all. Oh my god, yeah, that was so much fun the last time. Okay, well, do you know what? You guys can be in uh, in charge of that. <laughs> you can also you can also like and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, if you get a chance to rate and review, it does help more folks hear about us, uh, which would be decidedly awesome of you. But you know, hey, we're we're not here to tell you what to do. Um, and if you're following us on Twitter at, at Chicklet for Life One or on Instagram at, at Life Chicklet Four, you can help folks see our posts by liking, sharing, retweeting, telling your mates, generally being awesome. But you were doing that already. Um, but here, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with um, our, well, not next week because Elsie seems to take ages to make these at the moment. But we'll be back soon. Uh, we'll be aiming for two weeks uh, with our thoughts on uh, Banana Yoshimoto's classic kitchen. Um, we'll we'll uh, we'll be seeing you guys then. Thanks so so much for listening. Yeah, thanks you guys. Catch you guys later. Yeah, have a great week, everyone. This is too wholesome. I'm gonna get sick. I'm at the bin, Chloe. I'm in the bathroom cleaning. Oh yeah, I forgot. Sorry. Oh, yeah. God, are, are we still recording? This is not okay. Another week, another list of problems we didn't know you guys had. No, no, seriously. This is not where we expected this show to go. No, like seriously, I'm glad we don't have to wake up wondering if Trump has initiated nuclear strikes or anything, but who are we going to make memes out of now? Yeah, is is putting random words in caps and saying sad after every couple of sentences not going to be funny anymore? Because like, that's been my joke pattern for four solid years and, and I don't know that I have the energy to come up with a new one. And, like, who's going to say words wrong now? Like, are we just going to go back to interviewers trying to say Joaquin Phoenix? Is that the world we live in now? Is this all that we have? No, seriously, this went on for, like, a full 40 minutes. People were very upset. Though there are high hopes for for all the Americans who don't know how to handle the number of vowels in Saoirse Ronan. So there is that. But, yeah... You gotta tune in, I guess. Dodoy Thursdays. <laughs>